Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Hmm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest, so let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Ross Belsom. Ross, how are you, sir? I am doing great. Excellent. So, uh, welcome to the hot seat, uh, your your debut appearance. Why don't you tell it me is. a little about yourself? And, uh, you know, I promise not to overburden you with haunting questions about your uh, <laughs> Jeopardy experience, because I, I do do the research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, so my, my name is Ross, Ross Belsom. I... Currently, I'm drinking Lagavulin 16 scotch because I do some podcasting in my free time. And every time I start a podcast, I say what I'm drinking. You know, confidence. Uh, financial and litigation consultant generally in Houston, Texas. Uh, I have a wife, a toddler, and a coonhound. I did appear on Jeopardy. I can, I think, generously, generously say that it was a well, a good performance that was ultimately non-winning. So that's, that's probably my biggest bona fide for trivia. Uh, if you are in the Houston area, you might know me as the guy with the mustache that beats you at pub trivia. Um, <laughs> and I think that's about it. All right. Are you ready to play our game, sir? Yep, I'm ready. All right. Before we do, let's quickly go over the basic rules of our game here. Uh, this is season four, episode two. So in case you are jumping in late, uh, most of the rules this season are the same as last, but there will be a few changes along the way, and I'll explain when we get there what those are. Uh, but as always, four rounds, four questions apiece. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order we'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game. Uh, Ross will get to field what we call the confidence question, his last chance to try and improve his final score with a little twist this season, as those who listen to episode one will know. Uh, I'll explain all that when we get there. We cannot get there until we take our first little steps on the road to the finale. Ross, are you ready to hear where we're starting tonight? I'm ready. Point values available to you. One, three, five, and seven. And here are your round one categories. We're going to kick things off with music, followed up with history, move along to sports, and we are going to wrap up round one with one of our new categories, only in Florida. It's our weird news category, but tailored just for the special sauce that is the silliness and woof that goes on in Florida. All right. So music is up first. One, three, five, or seven. You know, my probably my best category in trivia is music. I don't want to jinx myself too much, but uh, I'm going to put seven on it. All right. Seven points on music. Good luck. And a uh, reminder to you, Ross, and to everyone listening, uh, this is our alphabet uh, season. B is the letter we're using tonight. Every answer, unless I say otherwise, will have a B at the start of one of the words. First names, last names. You know the drill. Here is your seven-point music question. Ricky Wilson was one of the founding members of what band formed after he joined his sister for drinks at a Chinese restaurant in 1976, and he simply clicked with her musician friends? Hmm. So there's a few things in there. One is Ricky Wilson. When I think Wilson's and music, I think of the Beach Boys and Carney Wilson and all of that. You talked about clicked. Usually there's some sort of clue in all of your questions. Click was a very suspicious word, so I'm kind of looking at that. 
Chinese restaurant. There's, there's, there's so many things in this story, but I, th- I feel like Chinese restaurant is kind of a red herring. I'm not going to, the name Ricky Wilson does not ring a bell to me. And even if it did, the, I mean, Wilson, the only thing I got is Wilson and the letter B. I'm just going to go ahead and guess the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. A fine answer. I kind of thought that perhaps uh, I would get some Beach Boys there because, of course, uh, the Beach Boys known for uh, lead singer Brian Wilson. So Brian, yes. why, why couldn't there be a Ricky Wilson involved in the band as well? However, uh, not the correct answer here, though, again, I commend the guess. Yeah, yeah the Wilson is, is a very common name. Uh, the Heart. Sis, the sisters who uh, sing for Heart are Anne and Nancy Wilson, so right. a lot of Wilsons there. Ricky Wilson was in a band, and his sister was in a band, and she said, come out for drinks at this Chinese restaurant. Uh, he did. They got drunk, and she had brought her bandmates with her, which included uh, Kate Pearson, Fred oh, Schneider. Yeah, okay. Her name was Cindy Wilson, uh, and they formed the B-52s. Uh, Ricky Wilson was the original guitarist for the band. Unfortunately, uh, developed AIDS and passed away in 1985. Yeah. Um, but he is responsible for most of those uh, guitar licks uh, from uh-huh. Rock Lobster in the early I sh- days. I should have I looked at your wall. I see all of your uh, your albums on your wall, and you got the B-52s back there. I, I don't I think that has do. Ricky Wilson on it. When is that, that one? That would be cosmic thing I have on the yeah, wall. Uh, yeah, yeah. I even didn't notice that. Yes, I, it, it's it's just background noise to me, but uh, <laughs> I should have directed the camera away. <laughs> Man, it's staring you right in the face, Ross. How could you not get it? It's okay. I, I mean, I know you went big. You went, you went bold with the seven. I appreciate that, but uh, we still got plenty of time left in this game. Plenty of questions to go. History is up next. One, three, or five. All right. Um, so judging the next two categories, I'm going to put five on history. Five on history. I understand the trepidation on the last one. I, I'm guessing you might not be the, the biggest of the sports, but uh, we shall I'm, see. I'm an okay sports fan, but I know you, and I know that you can, you can go really deep in sports. So <laughs> I'm going to put five on history. I love the fact that everyone says that. Everyone says I can go really deep in sports, and then I, you know, I throw up a softball question, and, and <laughs> I go hard with every question. Everything's hard. <laughs> All right, good luck. Here is your five-point history question: Boeing's Strato Fortress, aka the B-52 bomber, first dropped a nuclear weapon during a 1956 test run, codenamed Cherokee. Though it ended up going about four miles off target. Over what general location was it released? Okay, so I know a little bit about nuclear history. I know enough to make some good guesses. I'm going to take a guess because I've got a letter to guide me that starts with a, it starts with a B. And so my guess for this one is going to be Bikini Atoll. Bikini is your answer. I, I, I had a lot of uh, options here. I could have just asked you uh, to name Boeing because <laughs> that starts with B. I, I find that uh, I end up with a lot of the letter that I'm looking for uh, in the question itself. It just I start seeing them everywhere. Yeah, this was uh, a test run uh, and they were aiming for point A uh, and kind of missed. But uh, luckily, uh, not a lot of people living out there in the middle of uh, the ocean. And uh, Bikini Atoll is the correct answer. Five points for you. Well done. Yes, on the board. 
on the board. Yeah. <laughs> that first one is always the the uh, the one that breaks the ice and makes my uh, guests uh, feel a whole lot better. So yeah, well done. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, let's keep the ball rolling. No, no need to. Uh, to wallow in the South Pacific, uh, <laughs> waiting, waiting for these cases to the bumps to drop. Sports is up next. All, All right. right, I'm going to put three points on sports. Three points, making this the perfect downwards staircase. Uh, very few people go with that strategy, but <laughs> I think you're the first. But I enjoy it very much. Maybe I just keep right here. Sports, three points. Good luck, and here we go. Brazil's Alison Ceruti and Germany's Laura Ludwig are two of the most recent gold medalists. In what Olympic event? All right. So it's kind of a, a perfect storm of international sports um, and uh, Olympics, which are, are not my strong suits. But I have looked at a list of Olympic events. I at least can dig into my brain and figure out something that starts with the letter B. And right now I'm drawing a blank. That's, that's <laughs> our with B. Yeah, there you um, go. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no ballet in in the Olympics. You know. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I, I'm when I think of Brazil, you've got Ipanema Beach, you've got volleyball, and but I don't think just playing volleyball is an Olympic sport. It divides it up into different versions. There's indoor volleyball and there's beach volleyball. So. Knowing about Brazil and volleyball, and I have no idea about Germany and how much volleyball they play, but knowing Brazil, volleyball, I'm going to go with beach volleyball. Beach volleyball. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that they call it indoor volleyball. I think they just call it volleyball. And so this is just uh, would be a variant of it would be beach volleyball. Uh, certainly, it is an Olympic sport. It has been uh, relatively uh, dominated by... Uh, America over the past few Olympics, with Misty May Trainer being uh, one of the one of the bigger names, uh, having won uh, over and over again. Uh, when it first started, Karch Karai was big for the United States. So uh, Laura Ludwig uh, was uh, the winner of uh, a two-person team uh, for Germany, so she was one of the medalists. Uh, Alison Ceruti is actually a guy. And he was uh, one of the uh, male winners uh, for uh, the men's version of this event. We just came from bikinis. Uh, people like to wear bikinis at the beach. Beach volleyball is correct. Well yes. done. All right. I didn't have you nervous on that one, did I? <laughs> just a little bit. I mean, I try to have flavor text for everything. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I'm just going to read it no matter what. <laughs> All right. Well done. Two in a row. Let us see if we can close out the first round with three straight. Uh, coming up next is our one point question. Uh, one of our new categories only in Florida. Are you ready to find out what them darn Floridians did this time? Yep, let's do it. In March of 2018, two men broke into the home of a man they had both previously dated, stole some items, and then tried to burn the place down by putting a washcloth near a burning pot of spaghetti sauce, as you do. When they were caught, one of the men was wearing what kind of costume which he had had on during the crime? So I saved the one point for only in Florida because I'm not the kind of person that keeps up on these weird news things. Whenever I hear it, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. So I've never heard this. I've never heard that this happened. Um, surprise, surprise. 
even though I do listen to a podcast that's based out of Florida, they talk about crazy Florida things all every once in a while. I haven't heard that this happened. Here, here's all I got. It's a costume that starts with the letter B, and and maybe the fact that there's two men is leading me to this because it might have been a dynamic duo going to this apartment, and one of them was dressed like Batman. So that's my answer. That's what I got. Batman and. Excellent, excellent answer. Uh, very much in the spirit of this category. What's interesting about this? Well, what isn't interesting about this question? But <laughs> uh, what's interesting is that only one of the two men decided that there would be a good idea to wear a costume, and yet <laughs> it was a costume that was designed for two people. So I don't know why only one of them decided to go inside rob the place and try to set it on fire dressed as a bull but he did <laughs> bull is the answer you know because i guess he was trying to say that love tore us apart wow oh. that's that's too I'm much sorry. yeah <laughs> keep that in i have to now you know we didn't get that one right florida it's gonna be the downfall of a lot of uh a lot of contestants this season i have a feeling uh but eight out of a possible 16 points pretty darn good 50% is uh, solid, solid to say the least. Uh, how are you feeling after round one? I, I'm, I'm, happy, uh, I'm happy I'm on the board. I can say that. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was worried that there might be a, a, a AJ beatdown that might happen, but uh, as long as I have points, I'm happy. Indeed. Well, we are going to continue on. Hopefully the good fortune continues. Round two, point values available to you are going to increase to two, four, six, and eight. Here are the categories we're using for round two. We're going to kick things off with a movies, followed up with another uh, brand new category, Fungo. And I'll explain what that is in just a moment. After Fungo, we are going to travel along to Analogies, and we are going to wrap up round two and the first half with Audio Hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of lifestyle. So Movies is up first, two, four, six, or eight. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I think I might be going back down the, uh, the line again. I'm going to start with eight. Starting with eight, you cinephile, you. Uh, <laughs> good luck. And here is your eight-point movies question. Now, it may have been a challenge to not have already been spoiled about the twists and turns in this recent thriller starring Sandra Bullock, who is trying desperately to keep her two kids safe. What is this movie called? Okay, uh, I am a little bit of a cinephile, enough that I am aware that moves are happening around me while I'm spending time with my two-year-old at home. But the trade-off there is that me and my wife watch a lot of Netflix. And um, so we've, we've watched a few things recently. Honestly, on Netflix, we're, we're, we're more of the TV shows, um, but I do know that they've had a lot of original movies that have shown up. And uh, recently, there was a movie starring Sandra Bullock uh, called Bird Box. And uh, I believe it's, a, it's an adaptation of a novel that's about they can't see things. I don't know. I, I haven't looked too, too deeply into it. But I know that <laughs> Sandra Bullock is in a movie where she wears a blindfold and is trying to protect her kids. And the movie is called Bird Box. So that's what I'm going to go with. Bird Box, a lovely double B uh, answer from you. Well done on that. Uh, so yes, uh, this is another one of those viral video things that uh, YouTube has actually uh, 
decided they're going to actually police their uh, their video uh, catalog and try and not allow people to post their own versions of this challenge where people are blindfolding themselves and emulating Sandra Bullock in the film by uh, running in traffic or cutting up onions or doing really foolhardy things. Personally, I think let's thin the herd, but what do I know? <laughs> uh, it's it's not the greatest movie, but it's not awful either. I think it's a little too on the nose at times, but I, I, I was not disappointed to have uh, set through uh, Sandra Bullock, John Malkovich, Rel, and uh, a, a cast of thousands as they attempt to avoid seeing the Cthulhu-like creatures that you, we can only imagine how horrible they must have uh, been. Bird Box is correct. Eight points. Well done. Awesome. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't say Bandersnatch. Yeah. (laughs) Eight points for you. Well done. Round two. Uh, We're picking up right where we left off. So let's keep this momentum cruising along here. Let's not uh, disturb this groove. Fungo is up next. Our new category where I'm going to give you three distinct clues that all point to the same answer all you have to do is tell me what these three items have in common we call it fungo how much are we going to wager on it two four or six from what i'm hearing it sounds like there's three chances to get there so i'm going to put six on that all right six is your wager good luck and here is fungo clue one portrayer of a fictional jackson worth talking about clue number two latest recipient of a coveted award which was given to Oprah in 2018. Clue number three, Cutler Donahoe, Hogback, and Imes are three out of the six in this Iowa area. Okay, that's a a lot of words. Easy peasy. Yeah. Portrayer of a Jackson worth talking about. Blame is winner Oprah. What is Oprah one? The uh, enduring love and affection of Gail King. (laughs) Well, sure, yeah. And, uh, And Stedman. Can't forget Sedman. Well, she seems to from time to time. <laughs> I am I am struggling to find any in on any of these. Worth talking about is is kind of sticking out to me, but I can only think of like give him something to talk about. I don't think that gets me there. Hmm. I'm just I I I'm just gonna have to I I, I don't even know. I have no idea how to even start with any of these. I do think that I will be going a little harder on the fungo simply because you have three ins. You so, have three uh, ins, you know, but it, you yeah. know, it's, it's, there's, there's always that chance that you get one of them. Uh, exactly. So uh, that's all you need to kind of link it all together. I keep on going back to worth talking about. And then that last clue, let's, let's just say, I, 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 I can't even think of a B word that it can, that that makes any sense. I'm I'm trying to think of something that might be a last name that could also be some sort of geographical or, or, or something that you would find in a state because you know and that could be that could just be a name. So, so that's that's where I'm going with this. Ba ba boo ba be. I'm I'm you, I'm just gonna say. Bird. That's all I got. Bird. 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 Bird box the bird. Sure. I actually was surprised you didn't just say Belsum. <laughs> <laughs> Belsum. You know, the Belsums. 
promise you that is not an answer. Uh, <laughs> wrote wrote this before I knew it was going to you. Uh, so yeah, this is. Uh, I guess which one are you most curious about of the three? I, I can reveal I, them I in think, any order. The, I think it's the first one is the the one I'm most curious about. Ah, fair enough. So this is the portrayer of a fictional Jackson uh, worth talking about. What you talking about, Willis? Uh, Willis Jackson, and that okay. would be Todd Bridges. Ah. Uh, the Cecil B. DeMille Award was just given to uh, Jeff Bridges as mm -hmm. he followed up for Oprah's uh, being given the honors last year. And Cutler Donahoe, Hogback, and Imes are three of the six Bridges of Madison County. <sighs> That's, that, that, is, that is the kind of word that I was looking for. I just I couldn't get there. Indeed, bridges. Bridges uh, is the answer we're looking for. I'm sure one uh, of your listeners heard me talk and was like, "Oh, yeah, something that you find in a state, and then also last name Bridges." So you're welcome. <laughs> well, you know, you you solved it, ish. <laughs> yeah, I was almost there. Well, let us uh, put that in our past, in the rear view. Let's just drive away from Madison County and not worry about it anymore. I'm Clint Eastwood. Uh, <laughs> analogies is next. Uh, let's see. What do you got left? You got the two or the four? Let's do four. Four points. Bling, 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 bling. It walks downstairs alone or anything. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Here is your four point analogies question. Drew Barrymore is to Blythe as Courtney Cox is to what? Hmm. Okay. So my first thought is... It's, it's either one of two things, the, the first side of things. Drew Barrymore, famously part of the Barrymore clan and, and a very famous uh, family. I don't think, I mean, I think there might, there might be a John Barrymore somewhere back there. But other than that, I can't think of anything with, uh, uh, compared to Blythe, um, Blythe Barrymore that doesn't, it, it vaguely rings a bell in that it could be a name that is a Barrymore. And then uh, Courtney Cox, obviously another actress. They're both, here's, here's the only thing I think of that if it's not one of Courtney Cox's family members, because I, I honestly could not think of a single family member for Courtney Cox's family. They're both in Scream. And um, it could be that Courtney Cox's character might start with a B that I, I don't know uh, because it's been far too long since I've, I've seen scream. So, um, and I didn't even, I, I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. So I just saw the first one. So I'm just going to think of any B name that might, might be a woman's name. I don't even know if Blythe is necessarily a woman's name. It sounds kind of feminine, but I could see like an old timey. I'm rambling. Let's just say uh, Courtney Cox uh, is to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call out to my sister, whose name is Blair. I'm gonna say Blair. All right, Blair. Fair enough. A fair, uh, fair play there. They were indeed both in Scream. Uh, Drew Barrymore actually did more press on the uh, on the press junket leading up to Scream because they wanted people to be surprised when she, uh, spoiler alert, dies in the first five <laughs> minutes of the of the movie and people were surprised but uh unfortunately uh courtney cox's character in that movie she was uh reporter gail weathers mm. so 
no no B to be found there. Drew Barrymore's character was was not uh, Blythe either. She was Casey. Drew Barrymore uh, is to Blythe. Uh, Blythe is a name that means a lot to Drew because it is her middle name. She is Drew Blythe Barrymore, mm. much like Richard Tiffany Gear. A lot of people get get their uh, they get their mother's maiden name uh, thrown into the middle name, and that was the case with Courtney Cox. Her middle name also begins with B, and it is one that makes me chuckle because it's an it's a noun, and whenever a name is a noun, it makes <laughs> me laugh. Courtney Bass Cox. Bass. All right, Bass. So I always thought there was something fishy about that Courtney. <laughs> Yeah, Blythe. Blythe is a is, is a girl's name. Their actress Blythe Danner from back in the day. Right. Uh, yeah. But okay, it's all right. We can't get every question right. No. <laughs> uh, you little humility will do you good, Ross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. One question left of the first half as we uh, round things up here with a two point question. That is all that is left. You audio hodgepodge is up here. So it works. I'm going to read you the question. After I read you the question, you're going to hear a little clip. Hopefully, when you're done listening to the clip, you will have the correct answer to the question. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. I want you to take a listen to this footage of an actor's screen test and tell me what character is the man in this clip auditioning for. I was looking out the window and went down, naturally. For six hours outside of Sydney, there's nothing out there. There's nothing. Just of course they'll find us. They'll find a black box, idiot. Are you serious? Black box is a reporter, moron. They can't locate us. How do you know that? Because I'm genius. I know we should talk to the guy that knows about this stuff. Whatever. As if I can't go three days without eating if I want to. Okay. Oh, um, it, he, it sound, he sounds very familiar. There's, he almost, I, I didn't recognize any of the, the dialogue necessarily, but it, it was... He almost sounded halfway between the same Robert Downey Jr. and Jack Black, but I can't I can't imagine either one of them in that kind of role, and I can't think of any roles that would start with the letter B. Screen test character, and it's not necessarily that he was in that role necessarily. It's just that it was a screen test where I I, I mean I I will at least grant you the fact that uh, this actor did get he the did role play. for which he is okay. auditioning for. Yes. Okay. And all of those words, I didn't hear anything that kind of clicked. Another one that's not just not clicking. Maybe it's too much scotch. It's not too, too much scotch. Scotchy, scotch, scotch. <laughs> so maybe I have to go with Ron Burgundy because that's all I have right now. <laughs> that was not an intent to, to sway you in either direction there. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it is all I have, so. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, <laughs> 100% of the time, you're wrong. <laughs> 20 <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you had listened uh, a little carefully to the words uh, that he was saying there, the, the dialogue there, uh, he mentions uh, between him and the female character who's riffing with him that he was looking out the window. They were all he saw was ocean. There was uh, they were near Sydney. Uh, they were talking about the black box and uh, whether or not they were going to be rescued. Of course, this is all from the pilot episode of a little television show yeah. called Lost. I, I, I have watched zero episodes of Lost, but I thought about just looking up a list of things that happen in Lost just because of you. <laughs> I couldn't resist. This is the screen test uh, from an actor by the name of 
Ian Summerhalder. He got the part. It was not uh, the greatest character. I don't blame him, but uh, uh, he uh, didn't quite make it uh, (laughs) deep into the series uh, before they killed him off uh, for plot reasons, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) He played a character by the name of Boone, Boone Carlisle uh, and his uh, quote unquote uh, sister, Shannon. The the question could have been name a lost character starting with the letter B, and I still would have guessed Locke. <laughs> yeah, well, Locke, uh, also known as Jeremy Bentham later in the series. So you, you wouldn't totally been off base with a B there, <laughs> but uh, all right, I'll stop. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm living in the past. I know. Uh, nevertheless, you did not get that one right. However, if you're only going to get one question right, get the eight-pointer in the second round. Well done there. We're going to add those eight points to the eight points you had coming into the round, uh, doubling your pleasure, doubling your fun, and we're going to head into halftime with Ross sitting on a very healthy 16 points. Huzzah! Huzzah! Are you ready for your halftime bonus question, sir? I'm ready. Yeah. Here's how it works. Uh, This is our only partial credit question of the game. I am going to read you the question. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about your answer while we pause for a little break, a little breather, a little uh, rest and relaxation, uh, perhaps a little trip to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. And for those of you who've been complaining that I don't give enough time in the halftime question, there is a little thing called a pause button. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, here is your halftime bonus question. According to Box Office Mojo's list of the all-time worldwide box office, if you restricted that list to films with just one-word titles, there are eight films in the top 100 that start with the letter B. For two points each, I would like for you to name for me any five of these one-word B films. Give you a little bit of time to think about your answers, and we'll be back. After the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Just like Matthew, Chris, Terry, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Ross Bell. So when we last left Ross, he was sitting on a very healthy 16 points, working on the following halftime bonus question. According to Box Office Mojo and their list of all-time worldwide box office, if you restricted that list only to films with one-word titles, there are eight that end up in the top 100, which have their first letter, our very thematic letter, of B. For two points each, I have asked Ross to name any five of these films for me. The counts as a word, so there's no use saying the B. Uh, that won't help you. It won't help you at all. The box, no good. Wouldn't, even if it was on the list, wouldn't count. Uh, so, Ross, whenever you're ready, please fire away. I really, I've, I've got a lot of movie. I know a little bit about box office mojo and and all their worldwide i've looked at the list many times and um don't i can't say that i can think of any one particular uh movie that would fall on that list 
of worldwide box office because I can think of a lot of good movies that start with that are one word that start with letter B, but I, I can't think of any that have reached the top hundred. I can I can I can say that the, I think the first one that comes to mind that might be there because I, I think it's been fairly su- successful and I think worldwide it's probably been very successful is a recent movie called Bumblebee in the Transformer series. I've heard it's good, haven't seen it. After that, I, there's there's no Bitanic or Bavatar to kind of help <laughs> me along. Oh, um, you steal my joke, man. <laughs> And, and I don't think the first one, they, the, honestly, the first movie that came to mind that's one word that starts with letter B is Bowfinger, which is probably not on the list. So um, going through different different iterations, um, I'm going to say Blade, the, the Wesley Snipes Marvel comic book uh, vampire movie that might have been reasonably successful, successful enough to, to maybe show up on. And... After that, I'm still drawing a blank. I'll say, you know, I've I've got these written down, so I'm going to say them. Uh, so I've got beaches. Let's just throw that out there. Uh, Brazil and Bowfinger. I'm going to keep it on. I also have Beckett, which uh, I think is a little too old, even if it was extremely popular. Uh, so yeah, that's my that's my list. So okay, maybe one you know one of those is right. I don't know. Well, I do, <laughs> and I'll be happy to tell you. Uh, so I'm going to start with the uh, one that's lowest on the list uh, in terms of earnings. I don't have the exact placement in, in relation to the top 100, but I do have the box office take. Coming in at $254 million plus million, we have a little film about a talking animal and James Cromwell getting it on in a farmer pig sort of way we're talking wow. babe yeah yeah that'll do uh <laughs> <laughs> keeping with the animal theme talking animals this one is a classic uh just by sheer longevity and re-releases i think this is where uh it's earned its money 267 plus million sadly it starts with a fire that kills mom but uh mm. bambi uh, yeah, that's a tough one to discern the older films if, if they're going to make enough because this is not an inflation deal. It's just pure pure numbers. So moving along, a a more recent film about a bunch of uh, ladies uh, doing a bunch of uh, funny things in the name of making sure that the nuptials get done. Bridesmaids. Yep, two hundred eighty-eight million there. Uh, then we have one of the most successful movies ever made. That was based on a board game. <laughs> wow. $303 million for You Sank My Battleship. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, no. Uh, apparently a lot of people did, but uh, it weren't me either. Uh, then we had a uh, cartoon dog make about $310 million. Oh. Uh, you know, I not in my window of my son was aged out of it, and not not interested myself. But Bolt, Bolt, that's big... not a bad movie. We just watched it. Yeah, I, I don't have any hate towards it. Just wasn't uh, wasn't the right timing for me to, to actually uh, see it. Uh, then at number three on the list, uh, a film that uh, is number three as of recording uh, tonight. However, uh, it could very well uh, and probably will 
squeak into the number two spot with another good week or so. It is indeed Bumblebee, and uh, you are primed for two points there. There you go. Currently in number two, uh, holding on strong. Wait till they get a load of B. It is Batman by with, oh, uh, Jack wow. Nicholson, Tim really? Burton. Yeah. yeah, still that 411 worldwide that did very well. And number one on the list, probably will hold off Bumblebee for this, I would think. Uh, 540 plus million dollars. You know, you can't go wrong when you got a Disney princess involved here. Marita, she is brave. Okay, well, should have thought about a little bit of uh, Disney because that would have helped. But uh, Batman really hurts because that was the answer to my Florida question. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you have it here tonight. Yeah, uh, you know, the no, no Braveheart, no uh, big uh, blade only made like 70 million. A lot, a lot of, a lot of options here. Uh, only two points, but heck, you know, anytime you leave halftime with more points than you arrive with, I say it's a success. 18 points as we head into the second half. Are you ready to, uh, tackle the harder half of the game? <laughs> Hold <laughs> <No>. on. <laughs> more scotch. <laughs> Not too much though. No, 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 not too much. Not too All much. All right. Now I'm ready. I'm ready. Excellent. As you know, point values are going to stay the same at two, four, six, and eight. However, round three brings with it a whole new batch of categories. And here they are. We're going to kick things off with a self explanatory category. It's a new category, but self explanatory. Potpourri could be anything. Uh, after that, what comes next? Well, what comes next comes next. Following up. That with Around the World and wrap it up round three. We've got Mashup back for another season. Potpourri is up first, however, two, four, six, or eight. All right. So I've been walking down for the first uh, two rounds. And so I think uh, looking at these four categories, starting with Potpourri, I'm going to walk back up and start with two. Excellent. Two points for you on the Potpourri. Good luck. And here we go. Step one in Julia Child's recipe for this dish is to simmer the bacon rind and fat in the water for 10 minutes, remove, and then proceed to fry lightly in oil. What is this classic dish? Simmer the bacon rind in water 10 minutes and then fry lightly in oil. I hadn't planned to do that with the Julia Child accent. I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, that's not even. That's that's more. That was that's the, the queen. Yeah, that's the. It's <laughs> not Julia Child. So let me let me. Uh, is this is this the entire recipe or is just this just a couple of just, steps? This, this was just step one. This this is just step one. Okay, so step one is simmer the bacon in rind in water. And fry it lightly. <clears throat> okay. So bacon tells me it's likely something that is savory, uh, more savory than, than not, especially with Julia Child. And she's, she's big on French cooking. Um, she's probably not going to put bacon in anything sweet. So I'm, I'm sticking with the savory. She was, she was big on French cooking. Uh, that was kind of her thing, introducing millions of Americans to French stuff. 
which is just a lot about process, just figuring out like how to take simple things and make them good. So the question is, what in French cooking, I mean, I might be completely off base, but what in French cooking has bacon and what would start with bacon fat? And, oh, okay. Uh, I can think of something very good that um, is French cooking that might start with bacon fat. It's not a bacon-based dish. It is a beef-based dish that I'm thinking of. Uh, beef or boeuf bourguignon. That, that's my answer. Boeuf bourguignon. Boeuf bourguignon is your answer. Uh, yeah, Julia Child's recipes are kind of the gold standard for that classic French fare. And certainly everything you said about her being the one to introduce it to America is, is, is right. And so really, there are certain, certain steps that start off recipes that to people who cook a lot, they know instantly what dish you're talking about. Uh, this is a dish that, in addition to the bacon rind, is all about mushrooms. It's all about red wine, uh, which one might say would be a, perhaps a burgundy <laughs> wine. Beef bourguignon is correct, sir. Well done. Two points. All right. Makes a nice stew. Yeah. It, it's just got a little more class than just saying <laughs> meat stew. Yeah. Even say I'm I'm Cajun, so uh, I know all about beef stews like that. But we were never fancy enough to put red wine in anything. Uh, no, you got Justin Wilson there. I got wrong tea. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- probably right. that that might have been the most accurate Cajun accent I've ever heard in my entire life, right there. <laughs> uh, I, I I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to move on to what comes next. You have a four, you have a six, you have an eight. I, I you know, I said I was going to go from two, four, six, eight. My, my pride and my, my love of symmetry is telling me to do it, even though the next categories are telling me not to. I'm going to do four. All right, four points. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, or something like that. Four points. What comes next? And here we go. Mark Ruffalo. Edward Norton, Eric Bana. What comes next? Okay, so I, I I can't believe this is not coming to me because let me just talk through. I I know what the I know who should come next. I think I know who should come next, but I can't think of his name because Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, in the current series of of Marvel movies, Edward Norton played Bruce Banner in the in the previous iteration within the same Marvel universe. Eric Bana played it in the Ang Lee version called just Hulk. And then there's the guy that came before that could if if I if I had to guess it would be the TV show version of the Hulk. And um the tricky thing would be that it is the not Bruce Banner. It was David Banner because I think the story is that Bruce ba- Bruce sounded too um, fruity. Maybe I, I honestly think that that would be the word that uh, they, there was a, a reason why they changed the name from Bruce to David, and it was it was um, something as 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 sad as that. It's just like I don't like that name, Bruce. So is it is it the guy that played Bruce 
or is it the guy that played the Hulk? And honestly, right now, I, I can't think of either of the guy's names. I know who the, the Hulk was the bodybuilder guy, and he's, he's made cameos in uh, some of the Hulk movies. And he was in I Love You, Man, uh, where he was playing himself, I think. But I can't think of his name. And if it's not him, it's the guy that was Bruce Banner or David Banner because it was two different actors in the TV show. And I can't think of his name either. I'm just going to throw out a guess and say it's Banner. I'm just going to say Banner. That's my answer. Coincidentally, the same name. All right. Banner is your answer. I mean, pretty much uh, you are, you know, everything you said pretty much spot on. I mean, we are going through Dr. Banner's uh, back through time. Uh, most of the uh, most of the Hulk aside of, of these characters actually were not voiced by the actors who portrayed the on-screen human form. Uh, and, and technically with, you know, especially now with all the uh, CGI stuff, they're not even doing anything on screen when, when Hulk shows up anyway. So you, you can't even say that they're really playing the Hulk. They're Mark Ruffalo is playing Dr. Banner. Uh, for many, many years, Lou Ferrigno, who was the uh, That's his, yeah. green-painted guy, was still doing the and voices and everything, uh, even up to uh, the, the more modern uh, versions of it. It is Dr. Uh, Bruce Banner. Uh, when it was the TV show back in the day, yes, the networks forced them to use David uh, because they were afraid that people would not be comfortable with the name Bruce. Uh, Stanley acquiesced just to get his show on the air and then gave them a big F you when uh, he had uh, him buried and called him David Bruce Banner. <laughs> Said, well, Bruce is his middle name, so screw you. Uh, gotta love Stanley. <laughs> and the actor who portrayed Dr. Banner, belted by gamma rays before he turned into the Hulk, Bill Bixby. You know, as soon as you like got to there, I, I got it. I knew exactly what his name was. It's, <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Yeah. Uh, previously, I believe he was the father in The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Uh, and uh, yeah, his son on the show. I know. Crazy. Eddie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's no trivia to be had there. Uh, but anyway, yeah. And of course, everyone remembers the haunting uh Incredible Hulk walking away theme every episode. Dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, there's a there's a generational thing there, and that if if you don't know that, you know the Family Guy reference to that same thing where Stewie is walking around. Yeah, the the, the number of uh, questions I ask that people are going to get because either Simpsons, Family Guy, or South Park did some sort of riff on it or Futurama. Like it's the parody cartoons are keeping a lot of these references alive. (laughs) All right. Well, you didn't get that one, although you almost got that one, but we're going to move along here to I look, I don't want to make you angry. (laughs) I wouldn't, I'm sure I wouldn't like you when you're angry (laughs) around the world is next Uh, six or eight. All right. Let's keep walking it up and go to six. Yeah. You have to be a bit four on that one now, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Six points around the world. Good luck. And here we go. Named after its former leader, Sultan Omar Ali Saifudian III, what is the current name of the capital of Brunei? Okay. Uh, um, 
for the for those of you listening, you you don't see the video that uh, AJ and I have, and AJ can see that there is a giant map sitting right behind me, and I am recording right now in my bedroom where I wake up every morning and and look at that map. Brunei is a very tiny country, and I if I if I could turn around, I would look right at it and point right to it and say, "Hey, there's Brunei." But I'm not going to do that because I, you know, I'm not going to cheat. So I have to rely on my brain to give me the name. I have honestly no idea what the capital of Brunei is. The only thing I think of is, depending on what kind of, is it Arabic? That No, it's like Ibn. Like son of is like Ibn or Ben. I don't think it's been anything been, been something I've, I've looked at i know i've studied the capitals around the world because you know you have to if you're going to show up on jeopardy or any any pub trivia anything you need to know most of them at least look at the list but nothing is coming to me for brunei i'm gonna just throw out a guess and and kind of go with my gut and say ben ali ben ali I don't know. That's what I got. Benali. Benali, which would be great for limericks uh, if you're going to then use Mount Denali. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, not not the answer. Uh, yeah, this is just a, a, a glorified way of just saying, what's well, the capital of Brunei? And <laughs> throwing a little color into the question so it's not that dull. Uh, so Sultan Omar Ali Saifuddin III decided he did not want to be the ruler anymore, so he abdicated the throne to his son. Uh, and changed his name to uh, a phrase that means I have abdicated the throne, but I am still blessed and you should consider me God. <laughs> As you do. Uh, it used to be translated to in English to just plain old Brunei town. Uh, and then they said, no, we'll, we'll name it after you. So he decided to call himself Seri Bagawan. And the word for town or city or city on the on the sea is bandar so it went from uh bandar brunei to bandar seri bagawan which it is still called today i i yeah that's not anything that's in my brain that that if it if i've seen that it just went right out yeah uh it's uh it's usually apparently people who live in the region just call it bsb <laughs> i i would too so, you know, uh, which reminds me of the Backstreet Boys. So I guess it's going to be <laughs> Bandar Seri Bagawan. All right. I'm trying to come up with some mnemonic here, but I'm going to forget tomorrow too. You know, we've, we've hit these mini little uh, dips in the road, bumps in the road before, but hopefully a mashup can get you back uh, in the right path here. And it's going to be worth eight points to you. Are you ready for your eight point mashup? I'm ready. All right, good luck. And here we go. After this former New Jersey governor had his name taken off of the arena at the Meadowlands, he joined Gabrielle Anwar and Bruce Campbell on a TV show about abandoned spies. Okay. The Gabrielle Anwar and Bruce uh, Campbell side of things, I've, I've, I'm all on top of it. I had a girlfriend in grad school that really loved this TV show. That show is called Burn Notice. So... Uh, and that had, I believe, Gabrielle Anwar and Bruce Campbell. I think think that fills all of the criteria for that side of the mashup. The question is, uh, do I know anything about 
the Meadowlands and New Jersey and former governor. Um, no, I don't uh, because I've lived in the South all my life. And um, that, that just, it's never even Southern. I'm just, I don't, don't follow a lot of like old governors and, and names of things. So I'm just going to kind of th- throw out something that might, I don't think there's anything that can connect onto the word notice. So I'm going to try to uh, 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 attach something to the word burn. How do I get the bees in there? Or, or where does a bee come from? And um, I think I'm just going to pull a name out of my head that starts with a B and that appends to the second half of thing that also starts with a B and say, that's enough for me. And um, I'm going to say the name of that governor is Bruce Coburn notice burn notice, Bruce Coburn. I have no idea, but that's my mashup. Bruce Coburn notice. If, if the bees were not involved, I'm sure I could have potentially sold you on perhaps it being Chris, Chris Steevil dead. (laughs) (laughs) You are uh, 100% correct in that the uh, Gabriel Anwar, Bruce Campbell series about abandoned spies. uh, That is burn notice. No question about it. The New Jersey governor in question, he was governor in the late seventies, early eighties, around the time that they built this arena. Uh, And so of course they said, Hey, you're, you're the governor. You got us a team. Uh, The New Jersey devils are in town. So let's name this arena after you to thank you. And then, you know, corporate America took over and it became continental airlines arena. And now it's just the metal Lance arena. Uh, I, I think it may have lasted maybe five or six years before they cut bait. Yeah. Great, great honor. Thanks a lot. You're not the governor anymore. We don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this was uh, many sporting events were held at the Brendan Byrne arena. He was governor Brendan Byrne. So we were looking for, Brendan Byrne notice. Not spelled right. the same, but the sound is all that matters. Yeah, it's, it's Jeopardy. Sounds. Exactly. Well, not the greatest round, but not a complete disaster either. You got one question right if you had walked down the steps. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, two points is better than zero. I'm going to add those two points to the 18 you had coming into the round, which puts you at 20. As we head into the final round, which, coincidentally enough, is the highest scoring round of the game. Point values are going to increase to three, five, seven, or 9. Here are the categories that we're going to be using for the fourth and final round. We're going to kick things off with literature, followed up with television. After television, we have science. And we're going to wrap up round four and the regulation portion of our game with who done it. So, three, five, seven, or 9. Literature's up first. What say ye? I am I am too superstitious to give up something that I've been doing this whole time. So I'm going to start with three. Three points for literature. Good luck. And here's your question. What is the name of the enigmatic everyman who toils away in 1850s New York City law office? I'll understand if you prefer not to answer. 1850s New York law office. I'm trying to think of law law offices, everyman literature. So what's so American 
I'm assuming American literature about legal things, lawyers in the the mid 1800s. And honestly, I don't know if this could be something that's recent. That is a um, set in the 1850s versus something that was actually written in the 1850s and and is part of that. I can't think of anything. I can't think of any literature from that time period or around that time period that would have involved a law office. Enigmatic everyman. I'm trying to think. Sometimes you like to to connect questions, but I I, I can't even think of any. I mean, it, this is another one where it's I, I have I've got nothing that really gets me into there. Um, just because I I I think I think he's he's not he's not 1850s, but I think he's kind of legally. I don't want to say Bosch. I think there's there's a TV show and there that's based off books, but I don't think it's 1850s. But I'm going to go with Bosch. Bosch be the great uh, man in black from Lost Himself, Titus Welliver. Uh, Bosch is your answer. Uh, unfortunately, that is not correct. We are indeed looking for something uh, that was written uh, at the time. It was written anonymously at first uh, in a couple of installments by Herman Melville, uh, and uh, this is. A character who resonated with with people and, and high school teachers because this clerk who gets hired into a law office uh, works very hard out of the gate. And then once he's established a baseline of uh, high level of performance, uh, anytime he's asked to do anything, he just turns to his boss and said, I would prefer not to. This was fine because he's not refusing to. <laughs> <laughs> He's not saying no, uh, but the boss just doesn't know how to handle that kind of uh, answer. And he was, what in the day, uh, his, his duties were basically to just take uh, legal documents and uh, copy them. Uh, no Xerox at the time, so he would actually have to copy them by hand. So his job title was uh, that of a scrivener, and he is Bartleby the Scrivener. I wouldn't have gotten that, ever. I know I read it in high school. Uh, <laughs> I seem to recall him looking out the window of his office into the brick wall across the way. <laughs> uh, not much of a view. Uh, that's the extent of my remembrance of <laughs> Bartleby the Scrivener. All right, no points on that one, but you know what? Still three questions left. We still have the five, the seven, and the nine. Television is up next. Right. I have a feeling I know where this Walk is going, but you... Five, yeah. five points. Okay, Do it. I got to make sure. Five points for television. This is going to be a fun one. I hope you get it right. Uh, you were having a little difficulty with time periods of that last question, kind of appropriate for this one. <laughs> Even though it was set in what was uh, then the present day, the pilot of this Happy Days spinoff saw Pinky Tuscadero ride in on a motorcycle looking no older than she did when hanging with Fonzie in the 1950s. What was this show called? I, I watched a lot of Nick at Night when I was growing up. Um, and that was, that was my uh, in on a lot of kind of baby boomer Gen X television, probably leaning more towards baby boomers and, and earlier generations. Um, but I did watch Happy Days. And I know that there were a few spinoffs from Happy Days. There was obviously Joni Loves Chachi, which starred Joni and Chachi. Mork and Mindy was another one and um, I probably know more 
about Mork and Mendy for my age than I reasonably should. Mork from Mork and Mirth from Earth, Jonathan Winters and all of that. That's um, not helping because Mork and Mendy does not start with letter B. Uh, there, so Pinky Tuscadero was kind of the, the counterpart to Fonzie, but but like a woman. And I, I vaguely aware that there was a spinoff that they tried to do with her, and I just I I I, I just don't have any any idea what it could be named. Still drawing that blank. Let's see. There were I think she had like a gang. There was like a name. The gang, but I don't think I'm not sure if it started with a B. The, the only the, the only thing that's popping into my head that I've got is just a random guess, and it's um, Badlands. Badlands, the pilot. Badlands. Yeah. Badlands starts with a B, so still in the running. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was happy days. Uh, you know, Laverne and Shirley, Bork and Mindy, certainly Joni Los Chachi. This really. Even for the 70s, defies all logic as to why they made this decision. Uh, so on uh, an episode of Happy Days, oh, let's say about 42 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> Howard Cunningham was visited by a uh, cousin of his, played by Nancy Walker, who uh, had been on television before. Uh, she was probably best known uh, for uh, at the time being a commercial pitch woman uh, as Rosie. <laughs> she was like this waitress in, in this diner and, and she did this series of commercials for Bounty, the quicker picker upper. And uh, she had appeared on the show as Howard Cunningham's cousin, Nancy Blansky. Blansky's uh, beauties, right? Yeah. Blansky's beauties is the answer. Eight days later after her guest appearance, she uh, appears in the pilot of Blansky's Beauties, which is set in 1977, present day. <laughs> so she went from being Howard Cunningham's cousin to this, her having her own show set 20 years later, but she hasn't aged a day. And Pinky Tuscadero comes in as a special guest star as herself. Eddie Mecca, who was uh, the big ragu on Laverne and Shirley, uh, was playing his own cousin. He wasn't. He wasn't the big regular. He was the big regular's <laughs> cousin, because he was still on Laverne and Shirley at the time, and uh, there was a there was a, a role for a young boy on the show, which was played by Scott Baio before he had be, become Chachi. So it was very, very, very confusing. Uh, Pinky Tuscadero was supposed to uh, be on Happy Days for many, many years uh, as Fonzie's girlfriend. Eventually, perhaps even the two of them were going to get married. But uh, apparently everybody in the cast hated Roz Kelly, who played Pinky Tuscadero. So they wrote her out and <laughs> just as like a consolation prize, they sent her to, to appear on this show. That's more information I've ever gotten on this show. And probably much more information than you'll ever need. But Lansky's <laughs> Beauties was indeed the correct answer. Uh, cannot give you the points, but uh, hey, you know, I promise you in uh, 20 years, I, I, I'll ask you the next question as if no time has passed whatsoever. <laughs> Whew, all right, let's not wait that long. Science is up next. Uh, seven or nine, he asked knowingly. Seven. Let's do it. Seven. Right. Because of a genetic ability to repair DNA damage, what type of whale is by far the
the longest living mammal on Earth. Okay. Uh, so types of whales. There, there's the blue whale, I think. I think that's the name of a whale. I have no idea which whale would be the longest lived of any of the whales, but in honor of my son, who is um, a big fan of music and uh, listens to a Raffi, um, good amount of Raffi. He also has a book uh, that is just the lyrics to the song Baby Beluga. And so a beluga is a type of whale, um, a little bit smaller type of whale. So I can, I can safely assume, I think, that maybe larger whales might have more stress on their body and might not live as long, but the beluga is a little bit smaller and might be able to live a lot longer. I am as confident as I could possibly be that the, uh, the baby beluga in the deep blue sea that swims so wild and swims so free uh, is my answer. Beluga, baby, or otherwise, is your answer? Because uh, if they only if they only ever you know stay at babies, then they probably don't live that long. <laughs> um, uh, you know, before I uh, I debated at first whether or not to put the word whale in in the clue itself. Uh, you know, when I asked the longest living mammal, till I saw how many numbers of how many different species of whale, how many different types of whale actually start with the letter B. Right. So yeah. Yeah, you name two of them. And neither of them is the correct answer. Yeah. So scientists have long thought that the bowhead whale was the longest living mammal. They couldn't quite prove it because it's really hard to determine how old uh, these animals are. Uh, but recently they uh, discovered a few uh, living whales swimming around who had embedded in them tips of uh, spears from when they were hunted in the 1800s. That would be proof. Yeah, so as such, they are pretty darn sure now that they can live to be upwards of 200 years, which would certainly put them in the uh, category of longest living mammal on Earth. Bowhead whales is what we were looking for. One question left in the regulation. Uh, we've hit a bit of a, of a dry spell here. Yeah, um, one question this, this half of the the episode so sure let's, sure let's try let's try let's come on all right but let's we just see. talked about whales <laughs> you know it's, uh, they, they live in the water so hopefully the dry spell is over and uh, we will do well here with the nine point hey if you're only gonna get one mm -hmm. uh who done it here we go nine points good luck the volstead act was the law proposed by the minnesota congressman of the same name which essentially established prohibition this wisconsin senator sponsored the act bearing his name, which effectively ended the practice in 1933. Who done it? I know the Volstead Act. Everybody um, knows the Volstead Act. That's a yeah, trivia staple. I you know, I went to law school, so I've learned about a lot of law, but I wasn't really concerned about who gave us more alcohol as much <laughs> as like I wanted to know who took away the alcohol before we came back. Yeah. I mean, um, well, this guy has been drinking scotch all episode and uh, <laughs> wouldn't be able to do so without a certain someone whose name he has no idea of. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so thank you to whoever this guy is. I think I'm going to be staying at 20 points because Wisconsin senators, 
I'm I'm not I'm not intimately familiar with even who the current Wisconsin senators are. So the idea of trying to come up with a former Wisconsin senator is kind of foreign to me. I'm going to say Brighton as my answer because I, that's what I got. That's all I got. Fair enough. Brighton is your answer. You know, I won't I won't scold you for not knowing that uh, one of one of the current senators from Wisconsin is I, I recently mentioned on our Lucky Johnson episode. <laughs> His name is Ron Johnson. So right. that's an easy one to remember. Uh, I believe uh, I believe he's the Republican and it's a split state. And uh, I want to say that the other one is Tammy Baldwin, uh, as I as I've been watching far too much. Uh, uh, Far too many votes over the past two years, if you know what I mean. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the person who uh, signed this act, it, it sponsored the act and, and, and got it pushed through. And of course, you know, it, you know the Volstead Act didn't exactly say, hey, no alcohol. They had to pass the amendment first. But once you pass the amendment, then you need some sort of act that says, all right, how are we going to do this and how are we going to enforce it? That's what the Volstead Act was. Uh, so basically this is the act that said, all right, I think we should, uh, not enforce this anymore, which then gave the States the leeway to then vote in, uh, the repeal of prohibition. He, he's in a major appliance. He's not a name. It was, uh, John J. Blaine. 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 Okay. The Blaine act. I might remember that now. Yeah. Well, it's almost just toast to toast to John J. Blaine. <laughs> uh, let me, let me. Quickly, hang on a sec. I got I got some math to do here. <clears throat> All right. So twenty, carry the zero plus the zero, move the zero to the other column to the zero. Twenty. I do. We're at twenty points. All right. Twenty points is still a pretty good score, and we're not done yet. Oh no no no! We have one question remaining. It is the confidence question, and Ross, here's how it's going to work. Uh, this season, as you know, as my listeners are soon uh, going to remember, so I don't have to repeat this every week. You uh, supplied me with three potential categories for this confidence question. I picked one and wrote a question on it. And it is now time for that question. Your last chance to try to prove your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category that I have picked from your selections. And you must, must wager between one and ten points. Get it right. And I will happily, happily add it to your score. But get it wrong. Get it wrong. Not only will you lose those precious points, but I'm going to have to ask you to pour out all of that scotch onto the floor <laughs> and instead boil some water with some bacon rinds in it and just suck it down. Which actually doesn't sound that bad, actually, depending I, on. I would, I would still do that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in the category you proposed to me? Mystery Science Theater 3000. So, um, Mystery Science Theater is quite possibly my favorite thing of all time. Um, that, that's, there's no qualifications to the word thing. I love Mystery Science Theater. Uh, the problem is that there, are, there, there were almost 200 episodes before Netflix picked it back up and then added... I believe they've got 16 right now extra episodes on top. Of, they've, they've crossed over the 200 episode mark, meaning that there are 200 movies to, to know about plus 
the, the KTMA episodes from before they were even like a national thing. There's a lot of stuff there. Having said all that, I am still going to give it a 10 because, you know, go big or go home. Um, I'm still going to have double digits, uh, even if I get 10 points off of 20. So 10 points. 10 points. I admire your confidence. That's what it's all about. Hey, you you gave me the category. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. We're, you're going to have to run a bit of a gauntlet here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got that. I got that clip. For 10 points, here is the question I have concocted for you. Robot roll call. Gypsy. Tom Servo. Crow. They have all been voiced by multiple people over the show's 12 seasons, which includes our Netflix incarnation. Mm -hmm. For each one of those trio of robots, to get your points, name for me a B voice who has brought them to life. Okay. So Gypsy, Tom Servo, and Crow. Indeed. We don't need Cambot. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Cambot. See, when you first said robot roll call, I was like, I got this Tom Servo originally called Beeper. The answer is going to be Beeper. I'm going to start with the easy one um, because it's the first Crow was uh, voiced by the person that also did Dr. Forrester. And his name is, I believe the way it's pronounced is Trace Ballou, but B-E-A-L-L-I-E-U. Tom uh, it was originally uh, J. Elvis Weinstein, Josh Weinstein. Uh, but then he, 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 he got replaced in season two. They come back to that. Gypsy... Um, has had a few different voices. Uh, it usually was a man doing a woman's voice, but in the revival, uh, there is a, a woman doing her voice uh, because she got an upgrade or something like that. I don't remember the story. Uh, it, was, it was Jim Mallon who was his, her voice for a while. There was another guy, I think, that did too. And then there's a woman that's doing her now. And then for Tom, it, it was um, um, Kevin, Kevin, Ken, Ken, Kevin. Um, What's his last name? I don't think that's the answer. Kevin, but no. I can't believe I, I can't think of his name because I, I, I have his book that came out. Kevin, uh, he did a year at the movies after Mystery Science Theater ended. And it was during 2001. And so he was going to a movie every day for the entire year of 2001 and then like you know in september 11th hits and then he has to write about going to a movie on september 11th and that was really interesting but i don't think it's, it's kevin b so I, I i think it's the new guy it has to be the new guy i know i know his name but i can't think of it right now i might have to throw in the towel for this i, I mean i mean i know i got crow for gypsy i'm gonna say bridget um nelson uh, uh mike's wife i forget her maiden name but bridget maybe did gypsy somewhere along the way and let's say that for i don't want to give up but i, I kind of have to i think uh, let's say for, uh, for tom oh what is the guy's name I, I i don't remember who who's the new guy and i i can't think of anything anyone else that would have done the voice so I, 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 I'm throwing, I got to throw it in. I, I'm throwing the towel. I, I can't think of a, a B name for Tom Barry. 
Barry. Tom ba- Barry. That's what I got. Uh, a valiant effort. Uh, clearly, you do know your stuff. I just, I just stumped you, basically. <laughs> and there's no, no shame in that. You're not the first. I will stump. <laughs> You're not the last. Uh, so obviously, I am a big fan of Mystery Science Theater as well. Some of my favorite episodes are uh, Cave Dwellers. <laughs> uh, the very uh, eerily prescient Pod People with Pod a, People is probably my favorite of all time. E- evil character named Trumpy who has orange hair. <laughs> mm. and, he can uh, do stupid things. Uh, and of course, you uh, you have a full view of my album wall here that my wife has put together. Uh, I have a Menos the Hands of Fate poster in my other room. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Crow, Crow T Robot was the easy one because there's two possible answers here. Trace Blue, I, I say Blue. Uh, Trace did it from seasons one through seven. Uh, then Bill Corbett took over eight right. to ten, yeah. so also would have qualified either of those. Uh, in terms of uh, Tom Servo, uh, indeed, it is the current Murphy, Kevin Murphy. Yeah, okay. Kevin Murphy. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I was I was going to give you Kevin Murphy there. Uh, used to do it. Yes. Uh, the new voice of Tom Servo is Baron Vaughn. Oh yeah, it's tough. I don't think I would have pulled it either. I mean, I could give you Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt all day long, but uh... and Harmar Superstar as the the leader of the skeleton crew. <laughs> Uh, in terms of Gypsy, uh, you had mentioned Bridget uh, Nelson earlier. She actually did uh, movie sign magic voice. Right. Uh, she never actually did uh, Gypsy. Uh, from seasons eight through ten, uh, Gypsy was voiced by Patrick Brantseg. Um, yep. That's, so. That sounds familiar. <laughs> No, I, you know, I could have asked the Professor Bobo question, but I chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> also, Kevin Murphy. Uh, so, uh, can't give you the points, but you, you gave me a bunch of smiles here for MSD3K. Uh, my, 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 Mitchell. Mitchell, Mitchell, my, my, my. <laughs> uh, 10 points go away from the 20, which still leaves you with 10. Double digits, not too shabby. Uh, Ross, I hope you had a really good time. Is there anything you would like to uh, plug, shout out for, or, you know... Th- the floor, as they say, is yours. Watch out for snakes. <laughs> I, I do have a plug, uh, a couple of plugs. Uh, if you want to see some random jokes every couple of months or so, I have some uh, some social media presence at my last name on Twitter at B E L S O M E. Um, they're just stupid jokes that whenever I get the fancy, I do them. Um, I also have a podcast. I. Uh, I have a podcast that's called The Book Club Was Better. It is a book club podcast, but uh, we don't read the classics. We read the crap that's getting turned into movies. And to kind of bring it around to the Mystery Science Theater, we did. We were influenced by uh, 372 pages, We'll Never Get Back, with uh, Mike Nelson uh, and Connor Lestoka, also a Jeopardy! Uh, non-winner who uh, are, are reading books and talking about them. We read books, we talk about them, and then uh, we read them before the movie comes out, and then we go see the movie and we review the movie in relation to the book. If you want a, a jumping-on point for us, I really highly suggest a simple favor, which is a bonkers murder slash just mystery novel uh, that got turned into a really fun movie with uh, Paul Feig as director uh, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively starred in that 
uh, it's a lot more fun than you probably think it is. Right now, we, we're about to start, uh, and by the time you hear this, we probably are in the middle of reading Battle Angel Alita, the manga. As, as a manga, it's kind of a departure from us because usually we read books that have words and not uh, comic <laughs> books. But uh, so if, you, if any of that sounds interesting to you, check us out. Uh, you can find us everywhere. There are podcasts, I'm sure, if you search tbcwb uh on your podcast thingies you'll find us uh we all we do have twitter for that too t at tbcwb podcast so um check us out uh we have a lot of fun i I just looked it up it's very easy to find so uh shouldn't be uh too much of a problem there uh a little steve larson there huh (laughs) oh yeah that was one of the worst novels i've ever read it just it it, it's not even steve larson it's the guy that replaced yeah larson yeah, no, I know. I did, look. Uh, do they do they, do they still take uh, three chapters to discuss the uh, drinking coffee and eating herring sandwiches? Because yeah, that it was is my it is worse than that. Yes, it is worse than that. Um, so if you want to, we had a lot of fun talking about it, but it's not a good book. Well, I will certainly check it out. I hope all of you out there check it out as well. You know what? There's only one thing left here for me to do, Ross, and that's say, get the heck out of my hot seat. <laughs> You are free to go. I release you. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we will be back next week with another brand new episode of Beat My Guest. So I hope to see you then. Until then, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Taubman production. Watch out for snakes. Who said that?